Hello everyone and welcome to the Information Entropy Podcast, where we try and take some science, squish it into an hour-long show, hopefully making it less confusing than it was at the beginning. This week we are entering the finale of our Avatar The Last Airbender Influence Science Run. We round out the run with air itself you can follow us on twitter at info entropy pod instagram information entropy pod and tiktok at info entropy pod of course um wherever you're listening to this right now if you give us a like a rating a comment whatever it is it helps us out absolutely massively and uh yeah we'd appreciate it very much i'm tom jenks joined as per usual by mitchell gatting how are you mate oh yeah how's it going how's how's everyone doing down there uh they're doing great I'm oh. just getting through. Yep. yep. Fantastic. It was just let me Good put, to put hear. your finger to your ear. Hello? Yeah. yeah. Got news from the outside Live world. feed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, what, what's, what's the crack? How, how's the week been? The week has been warm and mild. Warm, warm is in mild. temperature, mild is in... It's been a bit of a chill one, really. Um, oh, I good. have fallen down a whole lot of Diablo 4 the video game uh, and yes i cannot get out i'm stuck in this hole it's, <laughs> i'm just having too much fun it's hitting all the the right dopamine receptors for me of the whole like grinding you play some games you then you know you sell some stuff you get enough things you upgrade a little bit it's just hitting so oh, hitting, that's hitting good the right, the right thing i obviously enjoy it i've actually been trying to contact you for five days now so yeah you really were stuck <laughs> in the hole <laughs> <laughs> what about my <laughs> A cast extended warranty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, aside from that, Battle Bit Remastered as well. That's another one that I've been... Oh, yes. The... Yeah, I've been meaning to hop onto that. Maybe it's... that's what I, I... I just can't find the game that scratches that itch, you know? Oh, I, I think... I tried Smite again, and then I'm like, do I want to go down this hole? No, not the Smite I, I'm not hole. sure that I do. Not the Smite hole. Smite, um... The Smite hole's a sad hole because it's a game that's like many years old now. Ten years? The, the yeah, but I mean, League of Legends is also that old, but you, you wouldn't claim that to be the sad. Yeah, issue no, with it. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, it's like I mean, League of Legends in, is yeah, sad, just like, not for that reason. Grew up on first-person <laughs> shooters. It plays like Battlefield and Call of Duty, like back in the good days, where everything's like not everybody's just drop shotting and spam jumping and ridiculous yeah. stupid movement. And it's it, it's good. It's just a really fun game, and they've put. It's really, okay, so it's a, it's a game like Battlefield, which is like 64 versus 64 people, or 124 versus 124, or 32 versus 32. Usual shoot people, take points, that kind of jazz. Very Minecraft-looking, but because they've done it in such a way that looks Minecraft-looking, they focus more on like the systems behind it. So the gun system's really good, everything plays really well, everything's really snappy. Like I've I've played massive games and haven't felt any like lag or been like oh he should have died when I was shooting yeah. him and that kind of stuff. So it's it's phenomenal. There's only three guys three guys that have made it. Um, yeah, it's wild, isn't it? Three developers, yeah. Fair play. Well, continued success to them. Yes, it has been blowing up my YouTube feed. So <laughs> fair play. Yep. Fair play. Um, cool. Well, I'll hop into some news because we have some very exciting news this week um it may fundamentally change how we look at the universe is so it a new lens? a little bit of what sorry <laughs> is it a new lens yeah it's just a massive monocle for the earth yeah <laughs> yeah um it just orbits around on like a chain that we're just gonna peg into the north pole yeah great times great times um so have you heard of the uh, LIGO Institute, the Laser Inferometer Gravitational Wave Observatory? <laughs> Do you know what? my I question th- to you. Yeah, I, was, I just, you know, I was going to be like, oh, but I have heard of the um, the Sugway Institute. Oh, have you? <laughs> yeah. That's good, that. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I, you know, anyway, just me, I was like, he set me up. He set me up for like, uh, like on these nuts. <laughs> Joke. <laughs> i'm actually not ligo the ligo institute um very well known it's a consortium um in california and, and massachusetts collaboration basically <laughs> um they have basically 
two tunnels which are perpendicular to each other, so at a right angle, that are three miles wide long each. And as with all of our favourite things on this show, they've got giant lasers pointing down these tunnels that are three miles long. Are they and vertical or horizontal? These these horizontal. Oh, okay. Along along the earth. Um, so the the lasers are constantly measuring how far the end of this tunnel is away, right? Right. That sounds stupid, but over a three mile distance, um, things structural things can actually morph a little bit and change how far you know away the laser is from from the end of the tunnel. Using this instrument, they can detect minute changes in gravitational waves. And this is how they first detected gravitational waves. I think it was three years ago at this point. Yeah. I think we covered it on the old show. It was big news at the time. Um, and the, it's great. So they detected two supermassive black holes colliding into each other, confirmed that gravitational waves exist. Big news. Now, the problem is that gravitational waves are huge light years long hundreds of light years long so the fact that we have a three mile wide uh lens let's say tunnel to detect this uh, horizontal and vertical um that's not actually very big in terms of the universal scale no so they were like you know what we, we could really use with a bigger one of these but actually it, that's not very feasible so what they started to do was look at pulsars. Pulsars are not quite stars, not quite black holes, just some really weird mix of space stuff. Um, but basically what they do, they're these weird stars that emit jets of light, beams of light at their poles. Um, and they're very, very consistent because of their rotation speed. And there are hundreds of thousands of them around the Milky Way galaxy alone. And we've been studying them for many, many years, and we know how predictable the, their light is, and we know how far away they are. By studying these pulsars and how their light reaches us, what we've realized we can do is measure the change in rate that the light gets to us. So instead of, say, a gravitational wave goes through Earth, and it makes one of these tunnels longer or shorter. We compare that against the length of the other tunnel, and then we can tell at which direction the gravitational wave is moving in. We can do the same with a pulsar of light. We can measure how quickly that light, or the, the rate at which it is coming in from a known distance, changes minutely over the scale of the Milky Way. Essentially, what that means is we've gone from having a three mile wide measurer lens to a lens that is the size of the Milky Way, which essentially allows us to measure gravitational waves on a much bigger scale and to a much higher fidelity. Because no longer can we only search for the high frequency gravitational waves, but we can search for the super low frequency ones as well, because we're doing it over such a large distance. They've been working on this technique for 15 years and studying pulsars from all around the Milky Way for 15 years to build up five scientific papers that they released yesterday. This is hot off the press. Um, four of the papers basically go into describing how this works and it's very interesting and the stats and all the astronomy behind it. Um, super geeky, super nerdy. If you're into that, go check it out. It should be pretty easy to find. Um, but the last paper essentially details their findings. And their findings is the fact that black holes from all over the universe are constantly and continually changing the space-time... Uh, yeah, it's changing space-time. They're sending waves that are rippling in a three-directional, 3D-directional uh, direction. <laughs> out from them and continuously producing ripples that affect other things in the universe constantly. We're always being hit by these gravitational waves and it's comparable to the cosmic uh, microwave background radiation. Not only do we, can we pick up that, but now we're realizing that we're constantly under the influence of these black holes in the Milky Way 
And quite possibly, there are way more of them than we ever actually thought there were, even within the Milky Way alone. And it's going to help us understand how different galaxies form and all of this cool stuff as well. So it's actually one of the biggest revolutionary things that's come out, I want to say in the past 10 to 15 years to do with physics and how we study the universe, because not only can it align our classical thought of physics, but it's going to allow us to explore gravity in a new way that we haven't done before, hopefully combining theories that were not previously cohesive is is the goal. Um, so yeah, I hope I kind of explained that a little bit well, but uh, exciting times. Sometimes be alive. Exciting times. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, Shout out to Hank Green, who explained that to me so I can understand. I don't think I did quite as good of a job as he did explaining it. But uh, yeah, cool, cool stuff. Uh, so I was actually uh, quite excited to get to the news today. He was raving Very about cool it. cool indeed. Oh, oh. This, all, all, all morning you were raving about it. So the whole, like, they give enough waves that Ben's space time. Is that it, yeah. Like, I want to know what the impact is on us. Like that, like. So, kind of minimal. If you think the low-frequency gravitational waves are ones which are caused by supermassive black holes colliding. Sorry, the high-frequency ones. Um, they shift a three-mile tunnel on Earth so minimally that you need the highest quality of lasers to detect the, the millimeters that it changes in shape. Um, so, not, not a lot. But what if we can trace that back to the actual forces and calculate backwards? What if we were closer? You know, this is the stuff that we can then start to calculate. How does it impact the things around it? How does it affect um, galaxy formation? We One of the theories that of how the universe actually started was we were in some kind of uniform space uh, shortly after um, the Big Bang, or maybe in the future when we get to um, the heat death of the universe and everything, you know, we reach full entropy. How are things going to maybe potentially get kicked back into motion? Could be through background um, gravitational waves, kicking things, atoms about, one atom into the next, and then just causing a chain effect. Um, so the impact for us specifically in this moment on Earth is tiny for our everyday lives but what it allows us to try and understand about the fundamentals of the universe and then how that impacts us in turn could be quite huge you're trying to tell me that <clears throat> we're not going to get to a point where someone's going to turn themselves into a usb um honestly i think that's the next step <laughs> usb you're fine i don't i don't yeah i don't know where we can go from here we just uh usb ourselves plus it's all time and perspective it's one of those one of the things isn't it like Einstein says, relative, all relative perspectives. So even if they were having an effect on us and our time, we wouldn't change anything. No, exactly. Because this is how we experience it. Yeah. From another perspective, it could look like it's having a massive influence. But that could be over the scale of a billions of years, right? Um, yeah, like if there was if another planet compare... like, watching us for a million, it's been like, oh, they've sped up. Oh, they're slowing down. Oh, they've sped up. Yeah, oh, they're slowing down. Exactly. It's like someone's playing us like The Sims and just has us on fast forward. Not, you know. <laughs> Civilization Five, yeah, alien style. What a good time! Maybe I'll go back into Civ. No, don't go back into Civ. That is not a hole that you want to get into by yourself. I, I think maybe I do actually. No, don't do it. I've been playing Surviving Mars. Surviving Mars is good. Civ is is not good. Is it not though? I think it is. Uh, it is too different, and civilization is a. F it will drain your life because it's just too slow. Ah, oh, not if you get the mod that speeds it up a lot. <sighs> who needs mods in games? Let's be honest. So who got, who's got time for that in their lives? Who's got time for that? Yeah, that's fair. All right, uh, but yeah, that's my exciting news, and we can get back to our final topic of the Avatar saga, which is air. Oh, I went with um, Magnetic Man. Ma I magnetic Man? Breathe. Uh, uh, yeah, Magnetic Man. 
Everyone knows it. Uh, yeah, song that, of our, honestly, song of I didn't know it by name. I knew it by sound. Yeah, did you just get a Spotify up? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, man. No, no, I didn't. I need a. Uh, it's just you singing it. <laughs> yeah, what a tune. Um, Good tunes. Speaking of tunes, getting get me through it this week has been the Hamilton soundtrack. I'm not. I'm, I'll, I'll admit it. I'm not too, too much of a man to admit. I've been enjoying Hamilton. Great. I was speaking to this about um, my friend yesterday, actually. Neither of us have seen it, but we rate the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. Good take. Good take. Good takes. Yeah. Um, we're putting it on the list to watch. Oh, it's it's a gem. It's a gem. Great. I never heard about it. It's one of those movies that um, I never heard about it. I think Grace had. And then we just like, we'll just whack it on to see what it's like. And then I was like... This is probably just hit straight into my, to my, to my top five of musicals. This is phenomenal. Absolutely. Oh, really? Yeah. In and my then, head, having not watched it, it's like a lame is style type thing. No. Era. But I, I imagine that's completely wrong. Yeah, because um, it's, a, it's a stage show, not a movie. Yeah, but so is lame is in my head. Yeah, okay. It might, it, are we doing it like zombies? In my head. Um... <laughs> Lemmings is always the movie with Hugh Jackman. Thanks for watching. Yeah, but in my head, it's like it's a movie adaptation of a stage show. Is how I categorize it. Okay, well, I don't think that there's no movie about that. that may be weird. There probably is a movie about Alexander Hamilton's life, but Hamilton's Not just is just stage show. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll we'll get on that from then. Our, from um, our boy Lin Manuel. <laughs> Who came out of nowhere and now is in everything and doing everything? I don't think I know who this is. You, you, you do. You, you one hundred percent. Let me get it up. Do Hamilton cast Lin Manuel Miranda, who well, I recognise the face. Writes the theme tune, sings the theme tune. Um, is Alexander Hamilton in Hamilton? Um, Wrote and directed The Heights, uh, Moana, Encanto. Oh, he's just the boss. Yeah, he's 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 just just in everything. All right, cool. I'll, we'll get on that then. Um, in a couple of weeks. Oh, we'll a back. couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, said friend has just left for a couple of week a week or two. So. Can't watch it without her. What's her? Oh, it's yeah. Mary Poppins. He plays like the young who Dick Van Dyke played. He's a chimney sweep. Oh. Yeah. Wait, wasn't... You say young. Wasn't Dick Van Dyke not a child? No. Yeah, okay. So in the, the original <laughs> Mary Poppins, Dick Van Dyke yeah. uh, does the chimney sweep. When they yes, redid it... he does. They obviously couldn't use Dick oh. Van Dyke as the chimney sweep, even though they used him as the, the bank... The, the CEO of the bank, whoever it is, he's the top Oh, man did they? Yeah, he comes back and he does the he does the dance oh, on the desk. Oh, what a lad! <laughs> I haven't going. seen it. I just didn't want to ruin Mary Poppins for myself, so I didn't. It's okay. Didn't it's, it's pretty good. Like okay, because because uh, our boy Emmanuel uh, is is had a steering hand in it. Um, it was pretty good. But yeah, he you plays. He just got a backpack and p- packed everyone inside. Yeah, and then just wore it around. Yeah. All right. Fair play. Play. Sometimes you've got to carry everyone. Yeah, sometimes you do. Sometimes you just got to carry the team. You do. <laughs> you right. Air. Uh, what, what is air, mate? Uh, what is air? Let me... Uh... <coughs> gas. No. Um... Gas. <laughs> Specifically, air gas. is actually specific to the Earth's atmosphere. It is, yeah. It refers to the Earth's atmosphere. It's a mixture of many gases and dust particles. This is this is like the same argument of like Earth is like dirt, but it's not dirt because dirt is like yeah. it's got nothing in it. Whereas Earth is like nutrients yeah. and plant life. So air is a mixture of many gases and dust particles. It is the clear gas in which living things live and breathe. It is an indefinite shape. Well. It's not def- it's not definite def- defined. Um, it is it has a mass and a weight because it is matter. The weight of air creates atmospheric pressure. That's wild to me. 
if I just blown your mind with the whole like the weight of air creates atmospheric pressure and that's what that is and that's how that works. Like I knew that's how it works, <laughs> but it doesn't stop it blowing my mind every time I think about it. Yeah, we, like, we'll, we'll move on to how to planes fly and then we'll just sit here dribbling a little yeah, bit. <laughs> it's just crazy. It's like the only reason we have an atmosphere and something that we just don't, you know, suck into a vacuum is because gravity exists, which pulls air and then air has just enough mass to give us one atmospheric pressure, obviously, because that's how, how we define it. Dive, but, <laughs> yeah, strange but, how like, it's strange. You know, if you run yeah. at like one mile an hour, it's strange that if you run one mile, one mile an hour, it's one mile an hour. It's weird how that's defined. <laughs> strange. It's just crazy. Crazy, crazy, yeah. crazy stuff. Um, but yeah, it's just weird that it has a weight and that causes the effect in which has completely shaped our evolution, really. Um, wild. Wild. Um, I had a question that kind of spun off our Earth thing last week and kind of hit on your dirt thing there and kind of applies to air yeah let's say you know we don't just throw ourselves into a volcano in the next 10 15 years and we actually make it to mars yes will we still call it air uh no if it's defined as the earth's atmosphere and no we can't call it air will we call dirt on mars earth no or will we call it Mars and then have the separation of the Mars as in the planet? <laughs> do you know what? I think because we're human, what they do, they'll just call it Martian Earth. Mirth. And it'll, yeah, be like, here's the Martian Earth. And everyone will be like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Until like- it becomes so normal. Oh, dear. Yeah. yeah. It's like the novelty will wear off in about five days and they'll just start killing each other. It's like, stop saying it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's how the first Martian War started. <laughs> oh, did you hear they just started a year-long um, experiment? Yes. About isolation on you Mars. You know what I thought was really, really interesting about this experiment is in the experiment, they're not just being like, oh, you have to go, it's outside in the desert. They've created like fake outside on Mars so they've got like painted yeah. walls and like a dome that <laughs> is like supposed to look like Mars. So, so for context of people, we've spoken about these kinds of experiments before, but they've never done it on this scale. Essentially, they've got four people. I think it's a microbiologist, um, a medicine expert, doctor, I guess they're called. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, an astronomer I, and a geologist. I too like medical experts. <laughs> they've got four people and they're sending them to the desert for a year now they've done this for months at a time previously and i think the last one that nasa tried to do lasted four days because someone got an electric shock and they had to cancel it so that's fun um but essentially they're it's not really fully real. simulating what life might be like on mars it's not a proper simulation <laughs> um no so they don't have the microgravity or everything but these people have to try and do experiments contend with like isolation just being with four people every time they go outside they need to put suits on they need to try and grow crops um and it's just basically there to inform how nasa should carry out missions um in the future when they hopefully finally get to to mars um and study the psyche of people alone for a year on a planet because they even simulate like the delayed um communication time yes i was gonna say i was gonna ask if they're like getting a movie now how the the difference is yeah so i think it's what a 20 20 minute one way data travel time so i think it's if i'm remembering that from the martian correctly so i think it's if you send a message and they in and they reply instantly uh it takes 40 minutes essentially uh between you sending a message and getting a reply so that must be pretty weird but it'll be interesting to see how they get on yes because i bit of a conundrum about how you like download a movie are they gonna do the whole like i I think you take it with you you take a memory stick you upload yourself (laughs) 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 <laughs> um, or you could just play full surviving Mars down and just order a supply drop. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, I spend like a hundred million dollars to send me a supply yeah. drop of food, please. It's like, oh, sorry. I forgot the newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> send it back. Send it back. Oh dear. Um, what if they're going to do like the thing in the Martian where they're like, throw it nicer. 
on their potatoes. Fertilizer? Yeah. Maybe. I guess it would help. You've got nothing else, but I don't think human feces is the best fertilizer. Well, you're on Mars, mate. What else you got? Well, it's better than nothing, but I don't think it's the best one. Uh. Just get a supply drop. <laughs> right. Um, Earth. Air. That's what I meant. Oh, yeah. Can, can you, do you know all the gases off the top of your head that's made out of? Um, well, I have it written down right in front of me. Uh, that's kind of cheating. Ish. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'd go. About seventy-eight percent nitrogen, about twenty-one percent oxygen, yeah, and then trace amounts of other gases such as carbon dioxide, argon, uh, ozone, and various other uh, pollutants and greenhouse gases. So you don't know them all, then. Uh, methane, nitrous oxide, carbon dioxide would be the principal ones. Yeah, and water vapor actually, surprisingly, quite a big one, major contributor. Um, uh, so what's quite interesting you talk about the water vapor that just popped up in my nose is the standard unit that uh, is the standard dry air is the, the composition of gases that are made up at sea level and is the scientific unit of measurement it does not include water vapor because the amount of water vapor can change based on humidity and temperature yeah, it's a bit of a bit when it comes to like <laughs> we, trying to get a standard measurement. Yeah, we, because uh, because air masses are constantly moving, standard dry air is not accurate everywhere at once. It's like one of those. Okay, so what is the standard unit? There's no percentage. It's hard to get one, but we try to make one. Yeah. How would you do that? Would you just capture some air and try and remove all the water vapor? Um. Yeah. I don't even know how you do that. To be honest. <laughs> But, oh, oh you, okay. What you do is you capture some air and then just put a silica gel packet in there. Wait uh, ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. You get some rice and you uh you put it in a jar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the good old rice trick. Yeah, the good old rice trick. I've done enough like fixing of tech to know the good old rice trick. Um, well, it's actually it's the standard dryer is made of nitrogen, oxygen, argon. Almost in the yeah. argon. Carbon dioxide, neon. Neon, okay. Krypton. Oh, that's why Spider Man hasn't turned up. Yeah, he, Superman. I mean, he, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Spider Man, your your greatest weakness. Kryptonite. <laughs> so I think you've got the right colours. Wrong person. Um, yeah. Hydrogen, helium, and then xenon. I love. I love some good xenon. We do. Okay. I respect it. Put some respect on it. Yeah. And that's the standard unit. Now you wanna. Now you can quote it. Put that in your GCSEs. <laughs> you could actually. That's that's probably one of that's just a GCSE question. Yeah. Such a such a um, useless thing to remember. All right. Where where would you like to take this next? Have you got any topics you'd like to cover? Well, a little bit of air pressure. Since I said about standard units. Oh yeah. Okay. So atmospheric pressure, air pressure. That's what they'll call it on Mars. When we talk about Mars, they'll call it atmospheric pressure because it won't be air pressure. It'll be it's going to be called air, so it'll be atmospheric pressure. This is what they call it. Yeah. Um, it's caused by the gravitational attraction of the planet on the atmospheric gases above the surface and is a function of the mass of the planet. The radius of the surface and the amount of composition of the gases and their vertical distribution in the atmosphere. It is modified by the planetary rotation, local effects such as wind, velocity, density, variations due to temperature, and variations of composition. So, yeah, air pressure can be different based on whole range of things but it's you know through the radius so you've had a really small planet that was really high in mass um and was spinning a lot you'd have a higher air pressure on the surface and why is that affected by the spin speed uh, i don't know I just, it just says rotation so i'll just took that into account okay I mean, it makes sense that it being more dense, you'd have a higher you'd have a higher pressure even with the same amount of. Because you got you got to think it's not like gravity, as in it's not like a constant. Like if you had a ball in water and you span it, the water would take time for it to catch up. So it's saying that if you're on the surface, you'd be moving through the air pressure, not being a constant on the whole surface. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Because like the water 
kind of tags along it rather than just moving with it, right? Yeah, it takes a, it takes a second to catch up. Like if you're spinning, yeah, <laughs> you've been that thing where you're on holiday and you're in a small circular pool and you decided to run in circles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it's like that. It, it takes time to catch up. So if you're that, if you're a mass in the middle of that circle, it's not going to be immediate. So that's why it changes the air pressure. If anyone else just said yes at home, <laughs> um, you're autistic. <laughs> <laughs> that's that is um quite interestingly Surprise. if you do go on airplanes uh and have that privilege to go on to go on airplanes um aeroplanes realize that some americanisms sneaking into my vocabulary um there are earpods that you can get the google i know the google pixel and the new airpods by apple they've got a pressure equalizer in them so if you struggle with like the pressure changing in a, in the in the plane, as a lot of people do, and a lot of babies do, been on a hard day recently. There was a baby on the plane. Terrible experience, but here's what it is. Thought it was quite mean. Did you give it your earpods? I didn't because I didn't have mine to hand, and mine are the old ones okay. that don't have the pressure. In the, <laughs> the pressure uh. I've got the generation one ones. Um, yeah, it'll equalize the pressure for you, so it'll help out with that 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 suffering. And it like essentially plugs the ear, then like pushes air into it to I, don't, I guess to equalize the pressure that's cool yeah good for, good for how, that how much do a pair of those set one back i don't know i don't know i don't know pixel earbuds oh 50 pound is that the old one or the new ones pixel buds a series no that's that's the old ones oh so you want the new the ones which are 100 pounds 179 pounds oh my lord the, the pros Sounds like it. I don't have pro money. <laughs> All <right>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got him. You got him. They called it something weird. Um, but it's what it is. That's cool though. Is that just like an unintended side effect, or do they do that specifically for plain people? I think it was just unintended side effects. Because it's like the the no blocked ear feeling. Uh sensors actively actively measure the pr- the pressure in your ear canal so the earbuds can relieve it and stay comfortable. So do you know like good. oh when you're like got the cheap ones and you like ram them in your ear and it feels like your ears blocked. Yeah, I hated that. Yeah, it 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 senses that and then you know changes for you. I think that's why I've always hated in ear headphones. Yeah. So maybe these will be revolutionary for me. Yeah, and if you buy the the new a new Google Google phone, you'll get like a discount on possibly an earbuds or the Google Watch. Depends on what you go for. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, do, do you want to explain planes since we've just mentioned those? Oh, yeah. How, how do they fly with air? Right. Planes are magical. That's that's it. That's all I'm going to say. I, I, there's no science there. No one really knows how planes work. Um, I'm pretty so, sure planes were an accident. I get 100%. 100%. So, planes, the way they work, people think like the jet propulsion from it is like push, what, is what pushes it into the sky. And for some, so for some jets that are small enough, that is the case, essentially. Like a little flight fighter, yeah, jets. like fighter jets are pretty much just a rocket with wings, and the wings are there just to like <laughs> angle it, not just, there for the flight. They're, they're just there to guide the yeah. engine. <laughs> that is all it is. <laughs> for, for, for a uh, like a Boeing <laughs> commercial commercial jets, um, not Boeing seven four seven, because they they got rid of those. Are they? Oh, the Airbus? The D- discontinued the 747? Is it like the 7... Oh, uh, I don't know. Seven, it doesn't matter. Um, but those jets are just to pull it forwards enough to get the air to pass over the wings. And we... we I think we've covered this in another episode, but essentially the way it works is the the shape of the wing uh, and the way that uh, air works, the science behind air, is that it will follow the curve... And because it takes longer to go above the wing, it causes a negative pressure above the wing. And if it's about different pressures, because there's a negative pressure above the wing and there's a higher pressure below the wing, it actually pushes the plane up. Because there's yeah, a it's pressure. wild. It, it, it's full block wild when it comes to planes. All it is is uh, so that the underside's flat, the top side is curved. Because we're making the air on top go a slightly longer way around, it suddenly creates suction. 
and just lifts up. <laughs> suction is not the right, I would say, to be scientific. Absolutely about it. not. It's not no, no, the no. right. Absolutely not. Because, the scientific because the, way. the air takes the same amount of lift. time to go around both. It takes the same amount of time. It just goes a longer distance in that time, yeah. which creates the negative um, something. What did you say? Pressure. Pressure. That's yes. <laughs> that's what I'm looking for. Negative pressure. Um, yeah, and that creates lift. Yeah. Or, in another word, suction. Vertical suction. <laughs> it's a vertical... <laughs> that's, that's what I'm doing. And it, it, as you say, it's complete magic. And it's absolutely terrifying that that's what makes planes fly. Um, more terrifying when you realise how bendy the wings are on planes yeah and how bendy they have to be to like mitigate against um lift that's the word turbulence it's lift yeah and so the, the the wings just don't snap off yeah wild are you are you uh are you scared of planes how are you on planes okay i just want to sort of clarify if we if we messed up what we just said right as the airplane starts moving forwards the shape of the wing and the way it's angled helps move the air faster over the top of the wing because it has to go further in the same amount of time. No, it doesn't go slower. Yes. It goes faster over the top. And the faster moving air yes. creates a difference in pressure between the top and the bottom wing. The air pressure yes. on the top of the wing becomes lower than the air pressure on the bottom because it's going faster. Don't ask the scientists how that works. <laughs> this difference in pressure creates lift. That's how it works. Is that not what we said? No, we said it, it goes slower or something. I can't remember. I, think I it, thought we said it goes it goes the same just wanted to clarify. amount of time I, but I over found the, a longer distance. I found distance. my, uh, my re- the research that we did as just wanted to clarify that was the correct way of doing it. Okay. Uh, I'm fine cool. planes. Yeah. Okay. Not fast. Um, I think just exposure to being on a plane many, many a time. Um, yeah, that's fair. I used to be not so great with planes. Oh, well, I remember going to Malia once and having a really bad experience with my ears. Yes, I had um, that going up as well. I, I don't know what that was, and my friend was having a really bad experience at the same time. So uh, I got weird. a theory. Then I got after a theory. that, I've never had it. Was it coming back or going? Going. Okay, so I think because well, I think growing up, I think I had um, ear infections. And when in it, yeah, you have an ear, have a few. when you have an ear infection, it obviously swells up the things in your ear. So if I think if you have yeah. an ear infection, then you go on a plane. Your ears can't equalize the pressure, so it, it either causes a bubble of air to be um, expanded within yeah. within your ear canal or wherever it is, or within your sinuses, and that's where the pain comes from. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. Um, ever since I went to Mozambique though, and I did my underwater, uh, open water scuba paddy thing, it's been a lot better because, you know, you spend a month diving, you you get really used to equalizing your ears. Yes. But now the problem is whenever my ears, I conditioned myself on a plane to just yawn whenever my ears like don't decompress properly. <laughs> yeah. So now whenever my ears like pop, I just yawn incessantly until it's uh stopped which is rather annoying um <laughs> but, but it works uh, but now i'm fine with planes i'm fine with planes these days which is good all right so we covered the magic of planes yes the mystery the mystery the magic um, one thing i looked at was the evolution of the earth's atmosphere because you know even in our lifetime I think the atmosphere has changed a bit in terms of temperature, humidity. Um, I know when I was on fieldwork last year, it was 39 degrees, 100% humidity some days. It stayed around 80, 90%. Um, And to me, that was normal. That was like my baseline, right? Because I hadn't been to that region of the world that time of year before, but they were all saying it's never been like that before. And I think even in our lifetime, you can speak to our parents, grandparents, you know, weather certainly has changed um, in people's lifetimes, right? Um, Global warming and, you know, (laughs) that old thing. But obviously back in the day, it wasn't always like how it is now. 
over a geological time frame, it's changed massively as well. So the primordial atmosphere, the real beginnings. Uh, so the early Earth had a primordial atmosphere that's primarily composed of gases that were emitted during high volcanic activity. Uh, you mainly got water vapor, carbon dioxide, nitrogen, methane, uh, and ammonia going on here. We, went the, we then went through a phase of outgassing, uh, which is where the volcanic activity continued, releasing large amounts of gases into the atmosphere. Um, and the volcanoes released gases such as everything I just mentioned before, including nitrogen and sulfur compounds. And com they contributed to the base, kind of like baseline foundation of Earth's atmosphere. A few geological time steps later than that, we had the formation of the oceans. As Earth cooled down, water vapor in the atmosphere condensed and formed vast oceans. So you think it can be humid now, right? Just think back in the day where all of the oceans were actually just in the air. Literal soup you'd be walking through. Um, so this pro process is often referred to as outgassing of water and led to the development of the Earth's hydrosphere. Around three and a half billion years ago, we then had photosynthetic organisms, uh, simple single-celled organisms capable of photosynthesis. So these are your cyanobacteria or your blue-green algae. Uh, they use sunlight for the first time, water and carbon dioxide to produce energy as we, as, as we know. I'm pretty sure we've done photosynthesis in... Uh, the last year so mm -hmm. you can go check out an episode on that uh, but they released vast amounts of oxygen uh, and which began to accumulate in the atmosphere over millions of millions of years and obviously there was nothing there to use that oxygen up plants produce oxygen and they use up carbon dioxide we then had the great oxygen oxygenation event if i could say it rolls off the tongue well, I always want to say oxygenation. Oh, wait, no, that was it. Yeah, oh. yeah. You, you want to oh, say, no. you do want to say oxygenation because that's that what it is. That is what I want to say. <laughs> there we go. So the accumulation of this oxygen in the atmosphere, <clears throat> sorry, led to the great oxygenation event, which occurred about 2.4 billion years ago and made a significant change in the Earth's atmosphere con uh, concentration as oxygen levels increased substantially. This led to the development of the ozone layer. So ozone, for those of you who don't know, is O3. Um, as the way we think of stable oxygen, uh, it's just oxygen. It likes to form a double bond, sometimes with itself, and sometimes with two other things of itself. So O3, you have three oxygen atoms connected uh, to each other, and this creates ozone, which is quite unstable if I'm remembering correctly. And this ozone layer acts as a protective shield, absorbing much of the sun's harmful ultraviolet radiation, thus allowing life to thrive on land and in shallow waters. And we definitely heard about the ozone layer growing up. I remember it being a big thing in the news. Um, and why it's so important is it, it exactly absorbs that UV radiation that stops us burning to a crisp and makes life possible in a variety of habitats. And the ozone layer is actually healing, I think, uh, these days. I think the last uh, recollection I have of news of the ozone layer is it's, it's healing. The hole is not there or is it not as big as it was. And then obviously we have the modern atmosphere now where over time the Earth's atmosphere has reached a composition similar to the current state. Mm -hmm. um, as Mitch described earlier, the current uh, gases that are there. And, you know, that comes from the development of organisms that actually start to use oxygen and produce other byproducts. Uh, methane skyrocketed somewhat due to cows. Moo. Well, us farming said cows, but cows nonetheless. It's my favourite number. And, joke, uh, is. What? Oh, interrupting cow. Oh, mate. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, you you gotta, you gotta let the, the, the audience listen ago. to it. Just, you know, you just can't <laughs> you ruin it by saying interrupting cow. <laughs> <laughs> kind of takes well, away from the, in the, spirit the podcast audio cows. experience yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear it's like me saying, Man, I'm, doing some, I'm doing some really interesting things with my hands shame this is a shame this is an audio experience <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny um and there we go that's the evolution of uh, the earth's atmosphere um so yeah from volcanic activity to now 
Um, have you heard about the recent climb, uh, geoengineering stuff that's been going on? I haven't. I haven't. No. Um, so we've covered this a little bit before, and it's basically because the Earth's heating up, what are some ways that we might want to cool down Earth? Now, obviously, the planned and ethical method of just, you know, stop being assholes and burning fossil fuels, uh, not going so smoothly. No. <laughs> We're not changing that as quickly as one might hope. So we're potentially resorting to geoengineering, which is the procedure through which we rapidly try and combat the warming of the earth. And one of the methods to do that is to inject sulfur into the air, like a volcanic eruption, um, because sulfur will reflect the sun's rays and can actually cool the earth quite rapidly for theoretically a temporary time period. So we could just keep injecting sulfur into the air. Um, so some countries, some nations are trying to actually start doing that. I think it happened a few weeks ago in the UK. A private company injected sulfur into the air to, to see the effects of that. Um, and I think other businesses are starting to see this might actually be a profitable future, unfortunately. Um, it's like the um, uh, called green buyback schemes that companies can do to offset their CO2 emissions. Well, right. So yeah. companies, and I think in just in the UK, I'm not sure if it's like any other, if it's a European thing or if it's a just UK thing, to if they cause too much emissions and they go over their quota, what they essentially can do is then invest in schemes that uh, are supposed to be, what are they called? Carbon negative? Right. So it like levies out, levels out there. Carbon I wonder what, because sometimes you buy products and they're like, oh, we're carbon neutral, we're carbon negative. Yeah. I wondered how that worked. And that's just so they can say that. Uh, there was a big con going on about how, like, a fake industry of, like, tree planters or, like, that that were carbon negative. So essentially you could invest in land, plant the trees, become carbon negative that way. But it was skewing just everything because you know you can't it's not sustainable just buying land and planting trees yeah that's wild and it's not like it, it's it's a really like tricky way of saying you're carbon negative because it's not to do with your actual processes you're just doing something else to try and offset it yeah right? rather than make your processes better which i okay i guess works but yeah it's called plan zero um, by the way, in the uk if you didn't know what sorry um plan zero is a big thing in the uk at the moment to try and yeah. drive progress towards a net carbon zero living okay well let's hope we get there yes um but yeah the geoengineering slight ethical debate i think the uk has take trying to get a european summit or world summit to try and establish some guidelines ethical guidelines on the use of geoengineering because there's no international laws on it at the moment. So what's to say France just don't launch a lot of ton of sulfur into the air and completely ruin, you know, our part of the world for a month or so, you know? Um, so yeah, yeah. that's going on at the minute as well. Is a, the regu a regulation of geoengineering for the UK. Oh, is there? Yeah. The UK have got one. How's the Commons? Oh, Okay. Back in printed in 2010, mate. 13 years ago. Oh, wow. We were ahead of it. Yeah. They got definitions. They got a few examples and their environmental uh, risks, impacts, and risk of unanticipated viral effects is, a, a, is an interesting um, part of the table. Because they're like, the impact yeah. of what we think is this, but anticipated, the highest it can be is this. Which, yeah. Okay. But they've got things like um, um, carbon dioxide removal via various means, solar radiation management, um, weather modification techniques. Okay. Um, Just bomb a tornado, make it go away. Uh, yeah. Which someone drew in, drew a like a distinction between climate change and weather, um, which is like cloud seeding. Is more likely to affect the 
latter because it's right. yeah, because it's, weather is a state of the atmosphere over a short term. Yes, and it's more specific in different specific points. Whereas climate is long the long climate is the long term phenomenon of average weather yeah. patterns over a long period over essentially the world. Um, I, I mean, I guess if you were continually affecting weather in, for a yeah, very long like geological period, the whole of Europe. Yeah, and for a long time, hundred years or more, then you could say you're impacting climate. Yeah, they concluded that um, um, weather, te- weather. So they concluded that weather techniques such as cloud seeding should not be included within the definition of geoengineering used for the purposes of activities designed to affect the change in global climate with the aim of minimizing or reversing anthropogenic climate change. Oh, so they can do it because go. if they do it. It means that it's not within this their definition, which is so ridiculous. I hate that. That's the thing. Um, for those that don't know what cloud seeding is, it's where you like throw. I can't. Remember, what's the specific chemical that you put through the air, the clouds to stop them? Um, let me see. Cloud seeding chemical. It's just solid carbon dioxide, silver iodide, potassium iodide. Yeah. And what does it do? Create make snow? Um so there's there's different methods actually. Um salts. The most common chemicals used for cloud seeding include silver iodide, potassium iodide, and dry ice. Liquid propane expands into a gas has also been used um and can produce can produce ice crystals at a higher temperature than silver iodide. When cloud seeding, increased snowfall takes place when temperatures within the clouds are between minus 20 and minus 7 degrees Celsius. Introduction of a substance such as silver iodide, which has a crystalline structure similar to that of ice, will induce freezing nucleation. Um, And nucleation is the first step in the formation of uh, a new thermodynamic phase or structure such as like ice crystals. Yeah, so essentially making it snow. Yeah. So you you pour silver iodide out of a plane over the outs or somewhere, and you make it snow yeah. more to, you know, make it colder. Like Futurama, where you just drop an ice cube in the water. <laughs> That's one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> um, yeah, so you've got your induction of the chemical, which goes to the condensation of H2O as snow or ice which turns into liquid H2O um, and like rains and then turns back into gaseous H2O. And then hopefully, you know, that that cycle continues for a little bit. Um, But there's different techniques depending which part of the world you're trying. So you've got mid-altitude clouds. um, uh, You've got seasonal or tropical. How do I say that cloud name? Cumulonimbus? Cumulonimbus. That sounds right convective clouds um so because they're a lot hotter you're trying to explore the latent heat released by the freezing there um in mid-altitude clouds you're just trying to you're basing this on the fact that the water the vapor pressure is lower uh than ice uh over water to hopefully super cool clouds so there's different techniques as well um there's also in electrical charges so the united arab emirates has been using a new technology drones equipped with a payload of electric charged emission instruments and customized sensors which deliver an electric charge to air molecules and produce significant rainstorm in july 2021 didn't know that was happening um and of course lasers lasers always lasers yeah i saw this yeah the university of geneva using lasers um over the berlin I'm sure they appreciated that. Um, experimenters posited that the pulses would encourage atmospheric sulfur dioxide and nitrogen dioxide to form particles that would then act as seeds. So what can't be done with the lasers at this point? We, we just don't know. No one knows. No one, no one knows. No one knows. No one knows. No one knows. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's very ethically dubious, and as as far as I'm aware, there's no international regulations. I think I saw there in that little research that, as you correctly said, the UK has some laws on it. I think Australia have some laws on it. 
and I think some EU countries have their own independent laws on it, but there's no international agreement on how it should be handled. Yeah, it's a difficult one. Yeah. Who owns the clouds? Yeah, and because if I see the clouds here and they also affect, you know, five other countries, do I just own the clouds as they're above me? You know? Yeah. It's like we have um, what's called an EEZ for any coastal country. Um, so every country that's on the coast of an ocean or sea has what's called um, Exclusive. an EEZ, Economic which stands zone. for something economic zone. Exclusive. Exclusive. Yeah. And that's where they're allowed to fish um, and kind of do whatever the, they want within, you know, international reason. Uh, t- that's their part of the sea. You know, no one else is allowed to fish there. That's for them to, to, to profit from. Do they own the fish as they are moving through? What happens? Does the ownership of the fish moving through transfer to the next nation as soon as it crosses the boundary? Do, do neither of them own that fish? They just have the right to take them? Yeah. Um, if I take the fish before they get to the next country and stop them getting any fish, whose issue is that? Is it my issue? Is it their issue? Yeah. Do I have a right to let them leave some fish? So it, it we, we'd we have to try and use that as a framework. And that framework has not been established well. <laughs> Historically, you just need to look at France and the UK to see how yes. badly that yeah. that goes, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's it's very, very tricky one, um, especially because air is a lot less tangible than water, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it will be interesting to see. Yeah, I am for it, though. I think uh, whilst also sorting out the other issues of what's causing it, but again, that's that's difficult because how do you, how do how does the the West like put sanctions on the the Asian bloc pumping out pollution? Like the amount of pollution yeah. that China pumps out, it's just like how can we stop that? But I think I don't know if you make it snow in Antarctica and you add more snow there, does that is that going to help? I think you know, our, our planet two. Is out. Yeah. Out, but if you yeah, that. it is. I've watched the first few episodes. Second episode, I swear they're CGI. I will I will argue until someone proves to me there's like a, a helicopter f- shot of there's some cranes flying, and I swear it's CGI. Why? Because they just look it just looks bad. It just, it just looks like bad CGI. I'm not sure if it's the lighting or the angle, if they're zoomed or they touched it up, but they just look like CGI. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll look at that again. I'll 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 send you the time code for it. But I was just like I was watching yeah. like that's like CGI. But apparently they they swear down that nothing is CGI. I just don't. Yeah, I'd hope not. I just don't believe them. Things have definitely changed for a dramatic effect, you know. Oh yeah, there's, um, there's like a whole bunch of things. I remember some people at uni um, did like that kind of stuff. They, they did investigations, documentaries, and do you know the sloth? Like swimming across the water was a big shot. Yeah, that was like completely fabricated, and like they moved the sloth or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's not ideal. What, what um, did I just call it? With like certain species that I know a bit about, so you know the cetaceans of the world, uh, I do notice it more because I know more about it. Okay, but with other species, I just like ah, oh, I just take it for granted. But I've become more and more aware of the story that's being told rather than the take it for the shot for shot that they're showing it as mm-hmm. yeah they, um, they they found they ran into some issues with i think they used shots from a different program as well to like write a narrative be like yeah. oh and this happens they ran out of ice and then blah 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 and like yeah, that narrative does exist because it happens but it didn't happen in the way that you shot it yeah no i get that and what i've noticed really with this our planet 2 series if you, if you think back to the original blue planet and uh you know they showed the the ice formations in, in the north pole and even then mentioned how we were losing ice um and then you compare it to the shots now and to how there's just absolutely no ice at all for the these poor polar bears and, and, the, and the walrus 
which I'm absolutely sure in some places it, it is that bad. And I think most people, even you'll know me as someone who vehemently thinks we should be doing much more to protect our, our polar caps um, because we are running out of ice. Yeah. But I'm wondering, is it, I, I'm, I'm, st- I'm starting to question their validity of what they're showing at this point because I want to believe the world is in a better state than it is, maybe naively. But because I know they fabricate things to tell a story sometimes, I don't know how much to believe. Oh, you don't, yeah, is you, that you really don't. all much all the ice there is? Yeah, you don't. You know? Yeah. Um, or are there places where it's much better than what they're saying? Mm. Um, and I, I think I'd like both sides of the story. Not because, I, I mean, I don't mind watching it and being depressed because that's how I learn you're, you're and get thinking motivated. You're like to, climate change propaganda where they're only showing one side of the coin. I, I believe that's needed, right? Because we do need to make a change. Yeah. However, what I want is a more balanced picture of, in some places, it is this bad. But this is the average, let's say. I want it compared to the average or to, to at least somewhere else, just to, so I know, is it that shit everywhere? Yeah. And we need to start panicking right, right this second, although we should have done this 60 years yeah, ago. Yeah. Um, you know, to what extent are they fabricating the story and I don't mind the dramatization because it really evoked emotions and I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing without that right so I completely understand it it's the need for it so I, I find myself in a really like hard place I don't want to knock them for dramatizing because I completely understand its use but at the same time I want I want to understand a bit better that the extent to which of what they're showing is dramatized or not yeah if that makes any sense But hey, I agree. Here's what it is. So it's episode three. And okay. it's at the time is at 38 minutes, if you want to go check. And it's the cranes flying. Having re-reviewed the footage, yeah, some of it yeah. just looks a bit CGI, but I'm not sure if it just looked worse because my TV is not very good or <laughs> compared to my computer screen. But like, okay. yeah, there's just something about it just looks CGI. I don't know. Episode three. So, uh, uh, so this is one of the episodes I haven't watched yet. Okay, well, don't, don't worry. Come back. Come um, back. To me. We'll leave it for the next. Uh, if you're listening and you you want to join in, our planet two episode thirty eight three. minutes exactly thirty eight minutes with the flying. Uh, oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> yeah, like it. It looks CGI. <laughs> yeah, I get what you mean. I don't think it is. The lighting's a bit odd and. I think because we're not used to seeing cranes um, that close and it looks like they're a bit robotic. It looks like they're from Jurassic Park. Yeah. This is what I think. But I no, think I think that's legit. No, I don't I know. Do I think don't that's know. legit. I think they're trying to add it in, trying to get us with the CGI magic. Yeah, no, looking back at this one shot, which it doesn't look... It's the third shot that just looks like... Yeah. The third shot does look worse. And I think it's just the, the weird light. The weird lighting. It's like perfect game yeah. lighting, which is, 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 is throwing me. That's funny. Yeah. But good watch. Go, cool go watch it. Cool shot. Go watch the, uh, what are they called? The birds that fly for the longest time? The albatross. Yeah, we're going to watch the albatross throwing up plastic. That was a joyous occasion that I will relish for a while yeah and then just immediately being eaten by a shark yeah i didn't realize that that's so crazy <laughs> go watch it it's wild like, how do the sharks know yeah how do they know uh, they can sense them we, we've talked about sharks being terrifying they can be like yeah but they arrive before they even start taking off yep they can sense them through water and it's air now it's wild i think sharks are just telepathic just psionic i think they can just sense fear <laughs> at this point yeah probably well there is that myth isn't it all right well uh, we're over the hour is there anything you'd, you'd like to, to mention Alphabet, i've got loads but we'll leave, we'll leave it for now. <laughs> same <laughs> i got through one of my four sections yeah. of notes wait, wait, we'll come back to the atmosphere at some point um, yeah like well maybe we'll do pollution yeah. i've got i've got a few bits to talk about that yeah because i've got, air, I've got, the, I've yeah. got the whole section on air pollution <laughs> okay maybe we'll, we'll, we'll revisit this but uh geoengineering was an interesting tangent yeah. and relevant so it wasn't as bad as normal 
Right. Uh, that will bring us to a wrap then. Don't forget to share this with your friends, families, co-workers, scientists, so we can annoy them with our mistakes. And uh, every listen counts, so put it on for your plants or your dogs who are at home. Yeah. If you want more information, fun, science, then follow us on at Twitter, InfoEntropyPod, TikTok, at InfoEntropyPod, Instagram, InformationEntropyPod, and of course, whichever directory you're listening to this on right now, if you can give us a like, a rating, a comment, whatever it is, that would help us absolutely massively. So, yeah. Any last uh, shout-outs for yourself? No. All right. Yeah, about the, the tension there. you guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll catch you guys on the flip. Peace. Ciao for now.